You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Digital State of Mind. I am so excited for this episode. We have Mario Moreno in the house. And we, me, me and Mario were just talking. We have been following each other for so long on TikTok, but we've never actually talked face to face. So I'm really excited to dive into your story, Mario. I feel like you are like the king of marketing. And I also just realized today that you have multiple businesses. So I think we're going to have a lot to cover. So I'm going to just have you start by introducing yourself and telling us what you do and how you got to this point in your business. Of course. Yes. And thank you first and foremost so much for having (laughs) me. It's so fun to be on here. And I always kind of love, you know, talking with other like-minded individuals and and diving into kind of the digital state of mind and this whole crazy industry that we're all in. But um, Uh. Yes, yes. My name is Mario Marino. Um, I am a marketer. Uh, very easy to find on social media. It's at Follow Mario. Um, and I am truly a marketer. I started my career about 12 and a half years ago, um, really focused on communications. I had no idea what I wanted to be in college. I went to school for communications and advertising because it was the easy thing to do. Um, and very quickly landed an internship out of that um, by chance uh, at Guess, Guess Jeans. Um, and oh, cool. I started out in communication. Social media really wasn't a thing at that time. And, you know, I had a conversation with the CEO that was like, basically, you have all this beautiful campaign imagery. This thing called Instagram just launched. You should put it on Instagram. And he was oh like, Oh my God, I haven't heard the words <laughs> Instagram just launched in like yes. <laughs> my whole I'm, life. <laughs> I'm sharing how old I am. <laughs> But at that time, like nobody knew what it was. And I was just like, there's something here. And he was like, it sounds good. You do it. And I was like, did I just get a promotion? Like what just happened? Um, And that really kind of kickstarted my career in social media. And I, you know, fell in love with it. So I stayed at Guess for about six, six and a half years, um, really kind of building social media. There was no rule book. There was no guidebook that I was learning by doing. Bloggers were turning into influencers and everybody was trying to figure out what is this thing. Um, So had a lot of fun really kind of building that. And then from that point on, social media just like took my career to like new levels. I became a professor at FITM in Los Angeles um, to teach their first ever social media class. Then I moved over to Forever 21 at that time, really kind of doing global expansion for social media and the rise of influencers and, and brand collaborations and partnerships on a global level was just insane. I worked with over, you know, 150 influencers every single month. Um, it was just crazy wow. and really kind of helped grow that brand. And then from there, I kind of hopped around a little bit. I moved from Los Angeles to New York, um, where I worked for L'Oreal Paris um, and dabbled in kind of the beauty industry. And then my most recent recent professional kind of uh, uh, endeavor was working for H&M, where I started out in social media, and then I grew to kind of oversee all of marketing for the US, 
organization. So that was kind of my professional journey. And as of late, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, kind of rethought a lot of things. And I decided, you know, I'm a content mm-hmm. creator slash influencer on the side. I was like, there's something more here. I want to produce more content, started TikTok and did not expect anybody to care about marketing, <laughs> um, started to share marketing and career tips and stuff like that. And it just blew up. So yeah. uh, it was really great to be able to kind of be in an environment to just get started and share kind of that knowledge and professional experience that I've had. And, you know, not, not to throw too much all in kind of the intro, but then as as a result, I also started my own marketing consulting uh, company, which I do now full time and consult Mm -hmm. for a variety of different brands. And then I also have my own tea company, which is really random called We Spill the Tea, uh, which was a fun little like uh, COVID project for me that turned into a whole business. So uh, it's crazy what, you know, a little pandemic can do for us creatives. So I know that is so crazy. It sounds like you've lived like a million lives. (laughs) I know. I, I feel very old. I promise you I'm not that old. <laughs> but I literally, I thought we were like the same age. And now hearing all this, I'm like, Jesus, you're like, been like he, all over the world. Is he 46? No, no, I'm 33. I'm 33. <laughs> you're like 65. You just right. use filters all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really good skincare routine. <laughs> that is so cool. I feel like it's rare nowadays to come across people who have been in the marketing industry since social media really first started to gain it's you know or started to rise because now especially in the past few years so many people who are doing really well in marketing have joined in the past few years because it's blown up so much Um, and I'm, I'm interested to know because it sounds like you were working behind the scenes a lot before with the brands you were working with and and creating marketing strategies and running their social media What was it like whenever you then decided to kind of start building that for yourself? Because I think a lot of people would feel like you would just have no problem transitioning into that. But how, what was that like? That's an excellent question. I mean, for me, it's, you know, on paper, it seems like it would be very easy, but doing it for a business that has a million and five different resources, content, et cetera, is very different than doing it for yourself and building your own personal brand, telling your own brand story. So you have to be very much aware of you as a brand versus a retail brand or a corporation. You have different accountabilities and there's different things that you have to do. One objective may be different than the other. So first and foremost, you kind of have to separate, wear different hats when you're creating content like that. Uh, But at the same time too, I think if you're going to be good in your industry, you have to learn by doing. And that's a philosophy that I've always really kept true to myself is if I'm going to do this, I'm actually going to try it and figure it out. And I may not be, you know, I might not have millions and millions of followers and be the best at it, but at at least I can learn by doing and move faster. And I think the biggest thing in social media is it changes so much. Like I was saying, Instagram launched, then it was Snapchat, then it was, you know, Instagram stories, TikTok, et cetera. You have to grow with it. So and the only way to do that fast is to be in it and to learn by doing. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice that that I can give to people is, you know, kind of figuring if you're going to be a social media manager, if you're going to learn how to do it, be in it to really kind of understand it. Yeah. And I, I think that that's such a hard concept for us to understand whenever we're first entering the online space, because despite how much corporate experience we may have, a, a lot of people come into the online space saying, I don't have any skills. I don't know why anyone would hire me when I don't have all of this experience. And it's so funny because I kind of use this example with Pinterest, for example. Yeah. I um, you know, had created a training for students in my course on Pinterest whenever I first started my course. A year later, that training 
training has no relevancy to the way Pinterest is right now. So someone can be amazing at what they do in the moment, but six months later, everything has changed. So it really is a matter of like being your first client, essentially, anytime you come into the online space. Absolutely. You have to kind of evolve with it. Mm-hmm. And what was that? What is, I think that people would be really interested to know what the difference you see is between being in the corporate world for marketing yeah. and maybe social media management versus uh, having a business in the online space, trying to find yeah. clients that way. Well, to be honest with you, I think I'm learning that as I go right now, you know, really through my, yeah. my brand, We Spill the Tea, everything that I'm doing, you know, we just launched our own e-commerce site, we'll, we spill the tea.com. And with that, it's like, I'm fulfilling orders. I'm, you know, putting shipping labels. I'm checking every single social media post. It is so much more effort to kind of scale. When you're working for a big brand, you have all of the resources, you have photo shoots going on, you have everything. It's a giant system that works at H&M. We basically ran about 52 uh, advertising campaigns a year, which is essentially one a week. Um, so being that able to, crazy. It's, it's a machine, right? You're, yeah. you're building out and you're posting over 50 times per day. When you're doing that mm-hmm. for your small business or your brand, you have to be very calculated with where you're placing your time and energy to yeah. make sure that you're growing and scaling. Because, you know, on the marketing side of things that in a corporate environment, I would have a team of anywhere from 16 to 18. When it's my own wow. small business, it's me. You know, so it's like you kind of have to be mindful of where you're putting your effort and where you're putting your return and what are the marketing vehicles that matter versus feeling the guilt of like you have to be like these big brands and do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always tell people get good at one and kind of let that grow and develop. Whereas with a big brand, you kind of have all of those resources in place. Yeah, that is so wild. It's I, I have never it's understood. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's so crazy. And I've never understood how these big companies like, even are able to function. And I guess it's just a matter of the volume of people they have working yeah. on the team. But I think it's just something that we just don't understand. Like you see yeah. these TikTok accounts of these big companies that are run by like one a person and they're right. you know commenting on different pages. And it's so interesting to yeah. see how companies have kind of evolved and started to it's almost like the layers are being peeled away. Whereas it was very like a different universe before Mm -hmm. now it almost feels like, Oh, there's, there are real people behind these accounts. There are real people who are, you know, doing these things who are commenting. It's so interesting. Yeah. And if you really study that and break that down further, like the evolution of content, you used to be able Mm -hmm. to take a piece of content, put it on Pinterest, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter. And it was fine because it was different audiences and it could be campaign photo shoots, retouch, images and then people started want to see more influencers so then it was a rise of influencers then there was user generated content you started to see more of that then now you're starting to see kind of this raw like gritty kind of uh video oriented content through tiktok through all of that to where you don't have to be a polished influencer so it's just so interesting to kind of follow that and i think the brands that it's like the the girls that get it get it and the girls that don't don't (laughs) like it's one of those situations where the brands are kind of like falling behind if they're not you know on Mm -hmm. board with kind of changing their strategies yeah i'm sure there are some really stressed out marketing teams right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. But you so, got to love it. You got to be the right amount of crazy to be a marketer. 
I know <laughs> it's it's a it's a whole different world. It's yeah. so wild. So you you spoke about kind of working a lot with influencers. Um, I actually always have inevitably a lot of students who they really want their niche to be working with influencers and and being their assistant or kind of helping them scale their business. What kind of, I would love more insight like into the influencer world. Like what do you see kind of going on there? What do you see them needing help with? You know, just anything. I mean, how much much time do you have? Influencers is one of like my favorite topics to talk about. And I think it's like a mystery to a lot of people. Yes. Yes. But there's a formula there that I think not a lot of people like realize is, you know, you, you go where the eyeballs are at. And I think as an influencer, you have to be very aware. Like I said, just like a marketer, you have to understand kind of how people are engaging and how they're interacting. Yeah. The same goes for influencers, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of influencers right now are having a very hard time transitioning from static content or photo content from Instagram and bringing kind of that image to a, you know, TikTok forum or a video kind of forum where you have to show your personality and do a little bit more. They're not used to that. So I think first and foremost, for those people that kind of want to work with influencers is really making sure that you're finding content creators or influencers and understanding the difference between the two. Um, Because, you know, influencers Mm -hmm. may just be about reach and kind of as many impressions as possible. A content creator may be about producing quality content that kind of drives a specific result. So you kind of have to start there and understand the difference between content creators and influencers and really mm-hmm. understand how to work with them. But there's so many different ways that brands want to partner. There's, you know, the traditional influencer partnership to where it's kind of like a flat fee just based on exchange um, of, you know, product and, and a fee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an affiliate style commission, which is more about, you know, getting a commission for every single sale uh, that they drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's ambassador partnerships that are like more long term to where you kind of have deliverables every single month. So like there's mm-hmm. so many different ways to partner with influencers. And I think those that want to become influencer marketing managers or anything like that have to understand how the different types impact goals. And that's where it gets really interesting for a lot of brands that want to hire influencer marketing managers, because it's not just about working with you or me on one post. It's about Mm -hmm. building a strategy that's going to drive different results. I work with influencers that have high reach when I want to get the the word out about something. But I may work with a micro or nano influencer in an ambassador program because I really want to dial into engaged communities and drive authenticity. So it's like, really, you have to be strategic with how you work with influencers and how you also scout people out um, across all of the channels. So because that in itself is its own ecosystem as well. Right. And I think that I... I would say like within the past year, we've seen so much or so many more people talking about being micro influencers. Yeah. And that's also so interesting because that was not a possibility before. Yes. It was all about the numbers, all about the growth or the, you know, expansiveness of your platform. And it's, it, it's so fascinating to see because I guess really the reasoning behind it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is because that converts so much better when you have a tight knit community like that. Is that the case absolutely because most of the times the the nano or micro influencers are really the ones that don't have a lot of brand partnerships and they don't do mm-hmm. it every single day i think you know some of these influencers that i even follow you know post so regularly all of these different mm-hmm. brand partnerships and you're like I don't know if I believe that it's authentic to you. Right. I don't know if you're giving it your all or you're just collecting kind of a paycheck mm-hmm. for it. So, right. you know, I, I think a, a great case study 
go and look it up after this, is kind of away suitcases and kind of travel luggage. Mm. What When they first got started, they said, you know, we want to put all of our money in like making this a cool suitcase that everybody wants and wants it to yeah. be Instagrammable. And instead of going for like partnering with Kim Kardashian, basically mm-hmm. what they did is they worked with, I think, over 300 micro influencers so that yeah. it popped up on everybody's feed and everyone was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. larger quantities, but having a better, more authentic kind of impact. So right. very interesting. You just kind of have to figure it out. It, it's all kind of like playing Tetris of like where everything mm-hmm. fits and how it kind of aligns with your goals. But influencer marketing is only growing. I think I read something about... Um, I could be wrong on this, but I think it's like a $13 billion industry um, in 2021. Yeah. So very, very interesting to see it grow. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger um, as the metaverse happens, as kind of like all yeah. of these different new channels kind of unlock. Right. And I think that's something people are always worried about. I see this a lot with students who you know are wanting to work in a specific niche They're, or even just people who are wanting to join the online space, whether that's marketing, whether it's copywriting, you know, brand designing, whatever it is, they're very, one of their biggest fears is that the market is oversaturated. And I feel like I like bang my head into a wall every single day being like, it's not because it's it's just, it's hard for us to wrap our head around how it can grow more than this. But it almost feels like eventually the the online space is going to be 90% of businesses and then we'll have like our our desolate little towns. (laughs) Virginia's. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've got to tell this story. Yes, yes, <laughs> Quick side note. Good. You got to tell your Virginia story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. No, but exactly to your point, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's never too late to start. My biggest mm-hmm. piece of advice, I get imposter syndrome t- still to this day and I'm of 12 course, years yeah. in and I think you have to just take the jump and plunge and dive into it. There's a lot of free mm-hmm. certifications out there. You know, there's courses. Yeah. I know you have, you know, information available. Yeah. I have information available get mm-hmm. started do your homework and really kind of figure out what's right for you you don't have to be an expert contrary to popular belief of what tiktok tells you like yeah. you don't have to go viral every single time you don't have to yep. be an expert you just have to start and i think mm-hmm. as you start to kind of do that opportunities will unfold um and you know there's lots of brands out there i mean covid has like myself so many small businesses have started um mm-hmm. because of the pandemic so there's so many brands out there that need marketers Um, And it's only getting more and more important. If you take a look at the industry, people are tripling their advertising budget because most people are staying at home and online shopping's on the rise. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be more remote positions available, more digital marketing positions available. So it's never too late. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's another one of people's biggest kind of um, holdbacks is how do I get started? And it, it almost reminds me of whenever you're like learning a new language, how they're always like, go somewhere if you can, where you can just kind of like just immerse yourself into a culture and you will learn so much faster. I think it's very similar in the online space. If you really start to like, for example, if you want to be an assistant for influencers, if you throw yourself into that world and start learning as much as you can about it, it's funny because some one day something just clicks. And I noticed this happened in my business as well. Your brain just kind of starts to shift into that business mode and you start to like, you'll see a sign, you know, like an advertisement sign or something. And you'll, you'll, 
you'll recognize the font that they used or yes, the way exactly. that they did something, or you'll see a random thing when you're shopping or whatever, and it'll give you a content idea. Like the the way that your brain works completely starts to change. And I think that's when you really start to realize like, oh, I could market myself this way, or I right. could help influencers in this way. Everything just starts to make more sense, but it's always a matter of just involving yourself into exactly. that world. Exactly. The hardest part is kind of that first part to push yourself to be like, mm -hmm. I can do this. Yeah. For sure. And did you notice that with, since you've been in the marketing industry for a long time, have you seen a lot of that where you've seen brands or maybe influencers not be able to keep up or not understand how to make that switch and just kind of lose a lot of the traction that they had? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think right now, to be honest with you, this is the number one thing that I've, I've seen because the yeah. Instagram curated feed, you know, photoshopped mm -hmm. to the nines, like aesthetic is going away. You know, people yeah. want something real. People want seven second videos, be funny, have a hook, be quick, mm -hmm. be educational. And a lot of these influencers just struggle because they're, yeah. they're for so long didn't show that side of their their personality because they were curated and elevated and careful. And I think that is the hardest thing is like we're starting to move in a direction. Brands are mm -hmm. scared of TikTok um, because they don't know how to authentically do it. it Duolingo is a right. great case study of somebody like yeah. they took a chance and they were like, let's give this to like an unhinged social media manager <laughs> that knows what they're doing. <laughs> Just like I see go. their comments and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like, can you say that? Like, I know. <laughs> and, and, but I think they get it. They get the culture, yeah. and I think as an influencer, like I said, as a marketer, you have to evolve and adapt. And if you don't, you're going mm -hmm. to be left behind. If you can't ignore it and pretend like it's not mm -hmm. happening, you have to kind of figure right. out how to do that transition. So, um, right. you know, that's something that's really interesting, and I think a lot of people need to push themselves as they're creating content. You have to evolve. Yeah. I it's so funny because I I've always there's obviously so many things are cyclical whether it's fashion yeah. or trends in the online space, but I was like obsessed with YouTube whenever I was younger. Oh, and yes. I remember when I first kind of entered into that space and were, was watching, you know, vloggers and all of that. When I first started watching, a lot of them were showing a lot of the more real and raw content, yeah. almost like um, Casey Neistat. That was yes. like, one of my favorite YouTubers. And then that we saw the transition into the more curated, like super well edited yeah. and, you know, kind of the highlights type videos. And now it's gone back to like yeah. Emma Chamberlain, where yes. of course it's still edited, but it's very, right. very raw and exactly. real. Um, do you think that we're kind of going to cycle back into the more curated style? Or do you think this is kind of this, this shift that's happened now into the raw and real has put more of a hard stop to that than it has in the past? It's a really good point. And I think, you know, and it's interesting that you brought up YouTube because I always say YouTube for, from my opinion, has always kind of been the anchored social media platform. So yeah, like I agree. YouTube is not going to go away. It's where you get long form yeah. content. It's where you're going to have like that deeper longer meaningful mm -hmm. kind of almost tuning into a television show it kind yep. of feels like that whereas mm -hmm. and it's influenced by the other social media channels but i think you'll always have a youtube and then you'll have kind of the the supporting social media channels i think like you said it does become cyclical and it does become kind of phases in and out but i think we've taken such a i don't know if it's the pandemic effect or if it's just kind of the nature of a new platform and a new generation coming into play um but you really feel that pendulum swing hard into the raw mm -hmm. authentic 
you know, almost not even like, don't even do your hair. Like it's not even worth it kind of content Mm -hmm. creation. And I think as more people stay at home, as more people consume more content, you know, online time spent is like at the highest it's ever been from either you want to call that pandemic effect or just kind of the the nature of the way things are. So I think you're going to start to see more of that for a while, but I'm very curious to see what this wave of augmented reality, metaverse, I think NFTs, we're all just kind of on the start of that. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I will say that I'm finding, which is very similar to YouTube, is multi-dimensional content is really starting to go on the rise. And what I mean by that is like Mm -hmm. the content that you produce, a lot of educational content, a lot of value, Mm -hmm. a lot of artistic content. No longer do people just want kind of a piece of content that's aspirational. Mm -hmm. They want something that they're getting value out of. And I think that's what we'll start to see a shift more in authentic content. Yes, but like, how do I get value out of this? Um, So that's where I think is the next wave of, you know, content that will be coming out is how do you learn about things? How do you, you know, grow your business? How all of these different things that people are searching for will get that in the form of content. Yeah, it is. It is really cool because you, I mean, even on TikTok, you see this anytime that I want to figure out how to do something or need like, you know, want to see a product, someone actually using it or see just like real life examples of something, want to look up a song on the piano, whatever. I go to TikTok. It's yeah. I feel like it's become our version yeah. of Google in a yeah. way. 100%. And it's so cool because you can learn so many things. And we've especially seen this with the business space. I feel like whenever I first joined, and you may have experienced this too, I think we both were kind of started around yeah. the same time on TikTok. The business space wasn't that big back right. then at right. all. I feel like there were kind of a few people pioneering that. And yeah. then it really did start to grow. And now in, in the business side of TikTok, TikTok, you literally can find anyone that right. you want to learn anything about. Airbnbs, exactly. real mm-hmm. estate, you know, yep. uh, marketing, it doesn't matter. There's right. a creator out there for you. And I think that that's really cool as well because it's not just become something we're using for fun. It's yep. an actual tool for our life. Exactly. And I think in moderation, right? You know, I think yeah. in a lot of ways, it's, it's all about kind of consuming that and getting it. You know, I myself even will go on and search marketing tips, even though that that's yeah. what my whole page is about. I want to like learn from other people. And I think that's yeah. the only way you grow is, you know, putting yourself out there. And, you know, all of these different types of things are just so easily mm-hmm. searchable in such short kind of content clips. So yes, you could go to YouTube, watch a full, you know, 30 minute video on, you know, mm-hmm. how to build multiple income streams, or you could type income right. streams on TikTok and get a seven second clip on like yep. the three things you should be doing. So it's, it mm-hmm. works in that way. But I, I do caution people all the time is like, mm-hmm. don't get sucked in too far. Like, I feel like yeah. I need to have a baby. I need to buy a house. I need to have an Airbnb. Yeah. I need I <laughs> 18 streams of income. Like it just like, sometimes it gets very overwhelming and I feel like I'm not productive enough, but know. you know, you, you have to do it in moderation, for sure. Yeah, it is very overwhelming because you can have, I mean, you know how it is. You have multiple businesses and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm falling behind. I'm yes, not doing yes, enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm a failure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think it's, it's also, I'm like such a big pusher of business owners, even at the very beginning, getting on TikTok. And I think that whenever I say, when I say that to a lot of my students, they're very confused because it's like, well, I'm just starting. Am I going to be able to get a lot of clients from this? And while I think, of course, you can get clients as a new service provider on TikTok, I view it as an investment in your business for the future. Because oh, absolutely. 
once you start building an audience and if you're sharing marketing tips or social media tips or whatever your kind of corner of the online space mm-hmm. is, who knows what your business will look like in yeah. a year. You may have opened a tea business and right. then you have an audience of people that trust you and right. like you and want to buy from you no matter yeah. what you know service or product you have. Yeah. Did you see that kind of translate into your businesses as well, the audience you had on TikTok? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody always tells you niche down, just focus on one thing, like don't mm-hmm. worry about you know going beyond that, just get good at one thing. And I think yeah. that is true to some extent. You want to build a consistent community with consistent content. But I think as you start to grow, take those risks and opportunities to shed more about yourself, what you're interested in. Yeah. My family's from England and that's why mm-hmm. where my love of tea began. Yeah. And you know, for me, it was like, this has nothing to do with marketing, but let me mm-hmm. actually take this and share kind of behind the scenes of how I designed the box, what, how yeah. I took my marketing tips and applied that to what I'm doing. Let me show people behind the scenes of a photo shoot. There's ways to tie everything together for me for marketing. And I was like, and this is something that's important to me. So hopefully mm-hmm. if I'm sharing this with my community and followers that you know I engage with on a regular basis, they'll be happy to adopt this because this is a part of who I am. You know, so I think that's the part is as you're building a social media presence, you have to be very aware of your personal brand and what are your guidelines and what are things that are Mm. are important to you and making sure that that shows up in an authentic way in which your Mm. audience will welcome it and want to kind of support you in any way that you can. So it was great to kind of see the feedback from We Spill the Tea and people, you know, from all over supporting and, you know, wanting to recommend new flavors and stuff like that. So it's been Mm -hmm. incredible. So it wouldn't have been a success without kind of my following on TikTok or Instagram. Yeah. I think that, I think it also gives a kind of similar to what you were saying, it gives people the opportunity to be involved, which isn't really something that was ever available before. You know, a product is worked on behind the scenes, it's launched, you buy it or you don't. Whereas now people feel a deep connection to individuals and to products and to companies because they're either able to be involved by kind of giving their opinion on TikTok videos or whatever, or at the very least, they're seeing that whole process from start to finish with an original product or a new product that the company is releasing. And that, that really kind of breeds the loyalty that we didn't see before. Exactly. And as as a marketer and as a business owner, that's the number one thing you want, right? You want Mm -hmm. an audience that wants to grow with you, that wants to develop, and you have to listen to them. You have to say, okay, you know, they don't like this. They do like this. I think with all things, you have to source that feedback and be open to it in order to grow. So I just think Mm -hmm. it's, it's so incredible, the power of social media and what you can get as a brand, you know, there's so many data points out there. There's so much conversation about Mm -hmm. your brand, Um, you know, and it's just great to kind of source that and do something meaningful with it. Yeah. I love that. And I think one of the biggest questions that comes up with new people coming into the online space as well is how do I market myself when I don't maybe have a ton of experience in the Mm -hmm. field? What would be your tips for that? I think this would kind of translate even into like new business owners, you know, even if they're not a service provider, how do you market yourself from from zero when you're starting at zero? Well, a couple things here. I would say first and foremost, really kind of understanding who your audience is or who what's called the qualified audience is, is really trying to figure out who are you trying to go after and who are you wanting to reach? The second thing is really kind of about what are you passionate about, you know, and really kind of building that out. I know that sounds so cliche, but 
if you're going to wake up and do this every single day and social media is very demanding. So like once you get started, you have to love it. And that's why I chose to talk about marketing tips that didn't connect to any sort of business plan that I had. My Instagram was all just like personal me, my lifestyle kind of side of me, all of that. Yeah. I, I had never talked about marketing before. It was That was only mm -hmm. a professional thing for me. So mm -hmm. I had no idea. I knew I wanted to speak to people that wanted to learn marketing, but I had no idea what the potential was there. So just like I said before, getting started, making sure that I knew my audience and doing something that I was passionate about, then turn this into kind of a whole influencer partnership kind of thing. And also a brand that people are coming to me asking for tips because they have an interview next week and they're applying for a marketing job. What should they do? And I love that stuff. I want to help people out. And that's the yeah. whole reason why I started is because I wanted to share all of the things that were never shared with me because it didn't exist. As I mentioned, like social media was so new. There weren't books on it. Mm -hmm. There wasn't YouTube videos on it. I just had to like do it. So, you know, mm -hmm. I wanted to create that platform to kind of share. And I think even if I didn't have a business outcome or a way to monetize it in mind, it turned into that in some capacity, but it was something I was passionate about. And that's where I started. So, you yeah. know, you don't necessarily need to be selling a product or service to begin with, but you can get started with producing content that you're passionate about, which could lead to other business opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very hard for us to kind of like conceptualize how starting with like where our end point could be based off of a small decision that we make, like starting yeah. to post about a certain thing. We, it feels in our head, we tell ourselves so often that it's pointless or that no one's going to care, right. but there's so many different opportunities that come from just starting to have some type of social media presence, literally no matter right. what field or career or niche you're in, whether Absolutely. you're, even if you're in a nine to five, I think people yeah. feel like, oh, well, I already, you know, have a nine to five. I have this supply of income. Why would I start doing this? Right. Who knows what could come of that? You yes. know, it's, it's endless. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it, and it's an incredible journey. I mean, I think if you're mm -hmm. in it for the monetization route, like the, the opportunities are endless. You can essentially build kind of a whole empire and make mm -hmm. the salary that you were making at your nine to five and, you know, yeah. do whatever you want. That's one angle that you can take. But the other angles are just like doing something that's creative that you love and yeah. kind of want to put yourself out there. And, you know, if one person likes it one day and a hundred people like it the next, you're growing day by day and, yeah. you know, just enjoy the ride. So as long as you're yeah. having fun with it, that's, that's what matters. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's, it's something that's interesting that I've kind of seen is that there's a lot of people I notice who would maybe be considered influencers or, you know, have gained a lot of success in the online space. And I see a there's kind of like two sides to me. There's the side where they maybe started a long time ago and maybe they had a YouTube channel, you know, and grew there and they've just kind of carried that over and were kind of like pioneering that the people that yes. started YouTube 10 years ago, 15 right. years ago are inevitably <laughs> going to have a lot of growth by now. Right, right. But, but then on the flip side of that, you see people like, I don't know if you've seen Victoria Paris on yeah. TikTok, mm -hmm. but her content, her like growth has always fascinated me because yeah. I think she reached a million followers on TikTok within six months of starting. Yeah. And her strategy for that was the volume. I think she was right. posting like 20 times a day at a certain yeah. point, just throughout her day, random things, raw content, real content. So with that being said, what do you kind of notice? And you may see this within the influencer world as well. What do you notice are like the key things that make people stand out or make mm -hmm. people see that growth or sustained growth over time? 
This sounds like a cop-out answer, but I promise you it's not because this has been seen in kind of every single formula is consistency, is being able to show up on a platform, have, if you're doing lives, make sure that your audience knows when to tune in for your lives and show up, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's so many people that get content burnout or just can't commit to it or say, I'm going to do like two posts this week and, you know, 20 posts next week. It's, it's developing a schedule and a routine that you show up consistently. If that's only posting one time a day, that's fine. Make sure that you like stick with that, but not having gaps in kind of your, your content, you want people to kind of flow and follow you. And plus the way that most algorithms work is they reward people that are kind of consistently showing up Mm -hmm. on the platform by increasing their reach, increasing, you know, their, their visibility of their content. So I think Mm -hmm. that is the biggest thing is like, yes, you can, I mean, there's been times to where I posted 10 times a day. There's been times to where I didn't post for a week, you know, and it's like that I saw the impact of that on my future Mm -hmm. content or the content that I was creating at that time, where when I showed up the most consistently, that's when I grew. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, really kind of, I told myself, at the time, I saw an opportunity there when, when you know, TikTok and every, everything, there weren't a lot of people in the marketing space. I started to see a lot more of my content mm-hmm. going viral. And I was like, I need to like step my game up and continue this. And I yeah. did. And that really kind of my growth from like 30K to 100K was was quick because I was like, yeah. okay, there's something here that I need to be consistent and follow up on. So I think that's the biggest thing. You can figure out the type of content that works best for you. Like you were saying before, like Emma Chamberlain, she like is a little bit more raw. Some other, yep. you know, influencers may not be able to get away with that. But if you're consistently mm-hmm. showing that type of content, your audience expects it. Um, so I think right. it's that consistency, not only in the frequency of what you post, but consistency in the type of content that you produce. Right. And how do you, uh, I know there's a lot of people that do really well with planning out or maybe batching content all at once. There's a lot of people who just don't function well that way. I don't function well that way. What is your kind of method for being able to stay on top of trends or stay on top of your content when you have so much other, so many other things going on and, you know, are working in the corporate space as well? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think for me, I do batch a lot of my content. I think for me, if I have, I have my notes kind of section in my phone to where if I get a a content idea, I'll write it down. Um, And then if I see kind of a a piece of content that I'm inspired by to like take my marketing twist on, I'll definitely save that. So like between the saved feature on TikTok and also kind of my my notes in my phone, those are kind of my two things. And uh, like you were saying, it's for me, I'm a master at optimizing my time and I and I have to be. I have two businesses that I run and then I'm also consulting as well and then producing content and being a good husband and being a dog owner and being all of the stuff that life wants you to be. So I have to be very scheduled with kind of how I create my content. And I've created, like I said, consistency in my mm-hmm. background on most of my TikToks is this. Or my window yep. right there when it's natural light. So it's like yeah. I don't I don't overcomplicate it. I make my environment work for me so that I can easily create content and not have to worry so much about where it is, what the lighting looks like, all of that stuff. Because I have my setup, I know how to do it, and then I can you know crank it out, but still do it in a way that's creative and authentic. I just want to make sure that mm-hmm. I have my ideas ahead of time um, right. so that they're ready to go. Yeah, I think it's it's so tempting to want to spend so much time making videos. And I was just talking about this last night with someone. It's inevitably always the ones that you spend so much time on and you edit it outside of the app and you do all of these, you know, fancy things yeah. that flop. And then yeah. the ones that it took you five minutes to make, 
get like 100,000 views. Oh, 100%. It's just so, it's so funny. 100%. There was a content creator called, um, I think her name's Jara Bean. Um, yep. she, she did one of your most meaningful content isn't always going to be your, your most viral content. Yeah. And I think that is so true. Some of my like funny, I, I think I'm a big goofball. I just like, like to have mm-hmm. fun and just like laugh yeah. and, and enjoy life. So a lot of the like quick things that I do, if I like have a little chuckle to myself, like I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think this is funny enough to post. And, and nine times out of 10, like these fun, playful ones are going to take mm-hmm. off. But when I have a more meaningful one for where I'm talking about what you need to do to grow in marketing, and it's almost, you know, 60 seconds, knowing that that's not a best practice, that doesn't stop me from creating it because I still right. believe a lot in it. And if that provides value to, you know, maybe it only reaches 3000 people and mm-hmm. a funny, humorous one will reach, you know, 100,000 people. Very different, but mm-hmm. I still want to do it because it's authentic to me and the value that I kind of bring. But it's it's all about balance, right? And, and producing yeah. kind of the content that you want. Yeah. And I think that that's something that makes people feel like they're not doing a good job is if every single thing doesn't perform really well. And yeah. I think that that's a mindset shift you have to make because it's very the same for me. You know, a lot yeah. of my viral content is viral for a reason. It's yeah. meant to bring in the numbers. Yes. But then that type of educational content where you're really providing value, it's inevitably not going to reach as many people. Right. But you're nurturing those people who are part of your audience who do want to learn from you. And that leads to clients to sales, to loyalty within your audience. So I think kind of going into it knowing, hey, this type of content may not perform as well. And I'm going to put effort into this type of content Mm -hmm. to really get the outreach. That can help with your mindset a lot. Because when you see those low numbers, you're like, well, I blew it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. There's times to where I'm just like, I don't care. Like if I if I like something, there's some posts that I don't know if it's shadow banned or I use the incorrect keywords or something like that, that I posted that literally get, you know, 600 views, which is great. I will take any sort of views. But consistently, you know, I'm way above that for most of my content. So for me, I see that and I'm like, you know what, but a lot of times people obsess over like, what is the right time right. to post? How, like, right. how often should I post? Should I post after I just posted two hours mm-hmm. ago? Like, what does that all look like? And for me, I do it because I love it, not because yeah. I'm trying to like crack the code on the algorithm. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I just don't care. Somebody thought they were like insulting me once and was like, dude, you only get like a 4% engagement rate. And I was like, that's really good. I'm proud of that. You know, yeah. like I, I'm good with that. Most people get, you know, anywhere from one to three. So like, hey, I'll take it. Um, so, you know, for me, it's it's more about having the passion of, of doing things that make me feel good. And I'm in it for the long run, I, I hope. Um, not just trying mm-hmm. to chase kind of those viral moments. But you said something really interesting interesting that I think was really, really insightful is also you have to take that same mentality to brand partnerships too, of being able to kind of tell them, look, I can make a long piece of content and really kind of walk people through the app, or I can do a short seven second piece of content Mm -hmm. that will get you the views. And I think a lot of times you owe it to kind of the brands to have that discussion and level set your expectations to say, you know, like if I'm going to create a piece of content, you want me to do all of this, then don't expect kind of the views to be as high Mm -hmm. as what you're seeing from my humorous content that Mm -hmm. is snackable, that will get more impressions, but may not have all of the brand terms that you want in it. So I think that's something as well as like knowing the type of content and what it's trying to do and the purpose it's trying to serve. Um, But I think that's an important conversation to have with brands during brand partnerships too. 
Yeah, it is. It's super important to think about those things because it's even like I always just thinking about what your goal with it is. Like if you have a, if you are, you know, trying to grow your business or trying to make sales or trying to get clients and you have a ton of videos that go viral, but none of them are converting people to actually working with you. It's not really benefiting you this that much. Right. I had someone kind of uh, say something similar to me in a comment one time. They were like, you only have like 9 million total likes or something like that, where a lot of people that go viral have so many. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't care because right. the conversion from those people to viewing it to actually following me and working with me is what I care about. And that number is high. Exactly. So exactly. it's it's all so rel- relative to what your goal is yeah. in your business. Exactly. And these trolls have just got to stop shaming it. Like, oh my God. Day. You know, They're like the just worst. user 95867G, whatever, like you have no followers. What are you doing? <laughs> it's so it's so funny how I think we see this the most on TikTok yeah, how yeah. People are just shameless. They're like, I will say whatever I want to say, and yeah. I don't care how yeah. it makes you feel. I feel like we don't really see that as much on Instagram, yeah. YouTube. You maybe you maybe see that a little bit, but like on TikTok, I remember someone one time was like, "Oh, you like make a lot of money in your business, but your blinds look like that because you can see the <laughs> blinds behind me." And I was like, "What?" You're like, I like my blinds. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that the way right. your blinds looked were like right. a marker of what you were achieving, You're- but how successful you were. Somebody actually told me once, they're like, you don't really work at H&M. You just say that. And I'm like, what? Why would I lie? Like, you can actually check and see, go on my LinkedIn. Like, what? Like, where did this come from? Yes, I'm just like getting all these followers and telling people that I work at H&M and it's all just, I'm a Tinder swindler, basically yeah. is what I am. I, I'm just you're like lying the biggest fraud people. on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> None of us know it yet. Right, right. <laughs> you're lying about your age and you're lying about exactly. where you work. Exactly. <laughs> I'm 67 and I work at Starbucks, actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a documentary about you in a few yeah. years. <laughs> So I get a lot of uh, questions, especially on TikTok, speaking of TikTok, about if guys can be in the online business space as well. So I would love to get your insight on this because while I do have a majority of, you know, girls that work with me, I also have worked with plenty of guys as well. But I think there's like this big mind block of, oh, I can't, I can't make it in this space. So what, what would you be your advice or your kind of input on that? No, I mean, I think the biggest thing, if you go in with that mentality is also realizing that, especially in the marketing space, diversity is super key. So whenever I've Mm -hmm. hired out for all of my teams, I want to make sure that it is a blend of male versus female and, you know, making sure that there's different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different perspectives, different types Mm -hmm. of marketers that really kind of come to the table. I had a guy tell me I'm applying to a all women's PR agency and I'm terrified. I think they're going to eat me alive. Like, what do I do? And I was like, go for it. Like show them why they need to have a guy on the team. Like be able to be, I always, I've never worried about who was around me. I always worried about kind of securing a seat at the table and really being able to be like, I'm representing myself, my beliefs. I know my skills very well. And hopefully I can sell other people on that. I know I can sell other people on that. So I think, you know, a lot of times you have to have that level of confidence. It's uh, most of my followers are women. You know, it's, I think I'm close to like 72%, which in Mm -hmm. the marketing industry, it it is pretty dominated by women, but that doesn't mean that there can't be a balance and there isn't a need for a different perspective. You know, men Mm -hmm. buy products as well, you know, so like you need to have that perspective of how to speak to a man and how to kind of 
build that out. But at the same time, too, it's it's equal playing field. As long as you kind of have the skill set, you're a valuable employee. So, you know, I think I encourage kind of men to kind of pivot and go into more of the digital space. There's so many different types of marketing that you can get involved with. I think there's room for everybody. Um, that's why I love the, the industry so much, especially on the online space, because there's just yeah. so much you can do with it. Yeah, there's so many more opportunities available regardless of any of those yeah. things. It also reminds me of age. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked with people who are as young as 16, who yeah. are as old as 60. And yep. uh, it's... it's Me, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've worked with you before, so yeah. I'm probably the oldest person I've ever worked with. <laughs> But I get that question all the time too. It's like, I'm 16. Is it too young to start? Like what have, what have you kind of seen as far as the evolution of the online space in terms of age? Because I think that your age benefits you a lot now, like no matter what perspective, perspective you're bringing with it. It definitely does. And I think a lot of times people have this misconception though of like, because you're young, you know, social media or like, because you're young, like you're good at creating content. And I think Mm -hmm. as long as you do know the skill set. And anyone can learn the skill set, right? There's so many right. resources out there. Like we were saying, YouTube certifications, things like that. Like, I think mm-hmm. we're in the, I mean, this is controversial. I always tell my husband this, like, I would never, ever, I shouldn't say never, ever, but like, I strongly disagree with going to college, even though I went to college yeah. and all of that. I'm like, there. if no, you want to be a too. marketer, <laughs> there are so many resources out there that you don't need yeah. to take this massive loan for, like learn yep. a skill, learn a craft. And so many people are like, but I didn't go to school for it. And I'm like, go on YouTube or like go to Google Academy or like HubSpot yep. Academy or all of these different like courses that are out mm-hmm. there that you can gain the skill set knowledge. And I think a lot of times you learn by doing or you learn by kind of going through a modern kind of class or course or yeah. take on it because it's changing so much. So, you know, I think back to your original question um, is like, you know, the skill set, as long as you have that, doesn't matter what age you are, doesn't matter right. what gender you are, doesn't matter. As long as you have that skill set, you're marketable mm-hmm. to a brand and they're going to want somebody that can, you know, help support their growth and fuel their results and things like that. So um, I just say get started and learn as much as you possibly can. Yeah, I think that it can't be emphasized enough how much if you are wanting to be a freelancer, the cult that college is not necessary because yeah. you will learn learn so many things that aren't applicable and you will spend so much money that isn't needed. And yeah. it's almost like it's almost funny because it's like how you the online space changes so quickly that you are going to have to be learning and taking those modern courses and doing it anyway. So why not just start with that and see how far it gets you? Because chances are it's going to get you really far. Exactly. Exactly. No, 100%. And that's where I just think you just have to get started and put yourself out there. But Mm -hmm. go to trusted resources. Start there first. Go to the Googles, the Facebooks, the, you know, TikToks and and source from them first. Uh, Because there's a lot of misinformation out there, too. So you got to be very careful. Yeah, that's so true. So uh, you were mentioning earlier that you are a big fan of optimizing your time and especially with, you know, being married and having a dog and having multiple businesses. What are your biggest tips for doing that? Because I feel like that is something that so many people struggle with and especially struggle with when they are coming into the online space Mm -hmm. while also having a nine to five and trying to start a business online. I think that's a really big struggle for a lot of people is trying to manage that time while also, you know, not neglecting the things that right. they care about in their life. Right. Well, for me, I mean, I've developed, I'm very type A, like I can literally, I don't know if you guys can see it. I have like 
all my different to-do lists. I like, <laughs> I have to write it down every single day of like what I need to do. So yep. I have a to-do list and I have a today list. And the today mm. list is typically about three to five things that I am not done with my day until I finish those things. And it can't be any more than five things. And they're, they have to be things that I know that I can get done that day. And then I, I have my to-do list, is which is things that I do all throughout the week. So every single like Sunday or Monday morning, whenever I can, I write down in columns, like I have a column for every single one of my businesses or projects that mm -hmm. I have to kind of go through. And that's, you know, things that I want to get accomplished out throughout the week. So I'm very task oriented. I like to be yeah. able to, you know, break it down and say, okay, this is what I'm doing for my week. This is what I'm doing for my day. Um, mm -hmm. And I am an early bird. I wake up super early. I love kind of being up early and kind of, yeah. you know, doing that whole thing. But for me, there's always kind of that cutoff. So, you know, yeah. by five or six o'clock, some days 630, but like I always try yeah. past seven, never to kind of work, stop looking at my phone. Like, let's yeah. go out to dinner. Let's have a conversation. Let's take the dog for a walk. Like that's the kind yeah. of thing you have to compartmentalize your life in that way. When you're that mm -hmm. busy, it's unfortunate, but you do so that you set those boundaries and say, you know, I didn't get to it today. I have to get to it tomorrow. And then I add it to the list tomorrow. So being structured in that way is very, very helpful, um, especially when you're trying to manage so much. Yeah. And it's it's so easy in the beginning, especially when you're really excited about starting yeah. a new thing to just go at it full force. And I kind of talked recently how, about how I did that so much from the beginning of my business to the yeah. end of last year that I, w I was dying. Yeah. I, was, I feel like I'm Burnout. still recovering from yeah. that. And, yeah. and I was like, how did I let it get to this point? Mm -hmm. And it really puts in perspective how it is okay yes. to be like, I'll do it tomorrow. Right. Literally nothing changes except exactly. your mind. Exactly. <laughs> But you put that pressure so on yourself to be mm -hmm. so, so on top of it to move ahead because you yeah. feel like you're behind when in actuality, you're building this on your own schedule, your own time. Right. So that's kind of how you have to approach it. But I, I do think there is something, you know, a lot of people think of leaving the nine to five. But when you become an entrepreneur, it's not like you just work, you know, an hour a day. It's like right. you're actually working more because it's your business and you're growing it and scaling it and you don't have all the resources. So you have yeah. to really do an analysis to say, like, is this for me? It's it's not for everybody. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of content creators are constantly thinking about content. I have some influencer friends yeah. that are like, I can't go to like the beach without having to like take content, you know? So it's like, you have to figure out like, what's that balance? And what are those boundaries that you're setting for yourself? Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely, I think that there are a lot of people who are like, I just want to be able to clock in and clock out and leave my work at work. I can, yeah. And, you know, for me, I, love being able to work from home and have that flexibility in my schedule. I also am laying in bed at 2 a.m. and I can't fall asleep because I'm thinking about all yep. of these different things that I need to put in my phone. Like I will it's literally a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it really is. You're, you're working nonstop. You're, at least yeah. your brain is working nonstop. I'll lay in bed at 2 a.m. and I'll be like, oh, I got to do this and put it in my phone. Lay there yep. for five minutes. Oh, I got to do this and put it in my phone. It's, it's, so, it's so hard to turn your brain off. Yeah. And but I'm just sure like you said, you have to love it. You have to love yeah. it. That's the yeah. only way that you get through it. Yeah. I'm sure that's like intense for you because you're probably always thinking of try oh, thinking yeah. of ideas or you get you see something when you're out and you're like, oh my God, that'll be super helpful. So Yeah. But no, at the same time too, it's like you have to learn how to shut off too. You have yeah. to to do those boundaries. And and I'm practicing or I need to practice what I preach because also yeah. at the same time too, like 
some there's some days where you should just sleep in bed and do nothing and mm-hmm. watch TV and have kind of like a tune everything out day. You don't right. always have to be monetizing, creating, doing, mm-hmm. like allow yourself those breaks or else you're just going to burn out otherwise. So I think it's important yeah. to take time. Yeah, I I love the side of the online space I'm in and I look at, you know, because I I don't have to focus on creating lifestyle type of content so yes, much. Yeah. And I have always been like, I do not envy the content right. creator who, like you said, has to go to the beach and be like, yeah. oh, I have to film a cute video here. Right, it's like, right. that seems really intense to me. <laughs> yes, yes. And no, like we, we, you know, I don't mean to to say it to make fun of it. It's like that is kind of their their business lane. That's kind of yeah, their business model. That's how they totally produce is. their content. So like, mm-hmm. I totally get it. But it's just... On, on all accounts, whether it's educational, whether it's inspirational, whether it's fashion, you know, it's, it's a job and it, it's exhausting. Yeah. And like all jobs, you have to set those boundaries to like turn off mm-hmm. and turn back on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would love to, uh, to know what, what your marketing tips or some of the biggest marketing tips that you would, you have would be for people who are starting out who are kind of new to the online space and are, yeah. you know, nervous to dive in. I would say the biggest thing is one, start small. And what I mean by that is really getting good and familiar with the platform. Um, Mm -hmm. Nowadays, for businesses to succeed, you have to have some sort of digital presence. You have to have a website. You have to have social media. So you have to start small. But I think a lot of times people feel like, okay, I got to be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, etc. No, you don't. Nobody is telling you that you have to be on there. So like, if you want to start with Instagram, great. Start with, you know, creating content for your feed, then be able to build out a strategy for Instagram stories, then figure out what Reels is and kind of make that all work for you. But if if I could go back and do things differently, it would be starting small, getting good at something and really being able to grow. That's part of the reason why I haven't done a YouTube yet is because I don't have the time to do it. And I wanted to get good at being good at short video content on TikTok first, maybe eventually I'll start a YouTube. But for the time being, I wanted to start on TikTok, really nail that and be good at it, be happy with that, build a community and then be able to grow into something else. So I'm a big believer in diversifying. But if you're just Mm -hmm. getting started, start small and get good at one thing and then be able to grow beyond that. Yeah. There's no need to try to spread yourself amongst every single platform. I totally agree with you. I started out on Instagram and was booked out with clients with Instagram alone. So it's totally possible to see a lot of growth. Even if you're just using one platform, especially if you're using two, like you could be set. So I totally agree. And what do you, do you notice any big differences between yourself, you know, now and when you first started in the like kind of TikTok world and marketing yourself online? Yeah, um, I'm way more conceited. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I love myself now. <laughs> no, I, it's, I mean, I think I'm just more aware of opportunities that exist um, mm-hmm. and what I want to do. I think when I first got started, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I'm sharing marketing tips. I'm sharing kind of career tips in the hopes of helping people. And now I've really started to think of like my social media as kind of an ecosystem or my own personal ecosystem to where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, my Instagram content, that's about me. That's where I share my family, my life, you know, all yeah. of that stuff, whatever I want. I'm a little bit, you know, more flexible with the content that I post there. TikTok is, I really think, feel like I'm helping people. And I really want to maintain that and 
because of that, I've created my own marketing masterclass for people that want to learn about marketing. Or, you know, I started a podcast because of the success of my TikTok called Motivation Mondays, giving people motivation for, you know, to get started for their week and stuff like that. So like, well, it goes back to the point that I just made about like starting small, figuring out what you want to do, and then figuring out the opportunities that kind of unlock because of that. So like, Mm -hmm. I've always only done things that I've wanted to do. And then once I've realized that I don't want to do them anymore, I stop. Um, so, yeah. you know, and then gr- move on to something else that I'm interested in and things like that. So for me, I've built kind of this ecosystem. And to answer your question, I think I'm more aware of the content mm-hmm. that I produce, what I'm trying to do and what the goals and purposes are. Whereas at the beginning, I was just like, I think that's funny. Let's put it up. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, do you feel like you've gained a lot of confidence? Um, I would say so. I would say so. I, I, I still get very nervous. I very much Mm -hmm. seem like an extrovert, but I'm still somewhat of an introvert and I overthink a lot. So as I'm saying something, I'm thinking about what I'm about to say, or, you know, am I going to stutter or am I going to say something? And it's just, I'm not as fluid on camera as I would like to be. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think I've started to get more comfortable with recording and letting things be more natural and just speaking from the heart versus having to be so polished. And that's kind of unlearning from the Instagram days of where everything has to be polished and calculated Mm -hmm. and cropped at the right moment and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm very, very similar. And it's so eventually like this would happen with TikTok videos a lot. I would be, you know, recording and I would stutter or stumble Mm -hmm. over my words. And eventually I was just like, I'm just going to leave it in. Right. And it's right. so funny because then you get comments of people like, oh my God, I'm so glad you left that clip in because that makes yep. me feel better about myself. And it's, it's so nice how we've gotten to that point in yes. social media, even though it's almost, it's funny because we're like, oh, this is the, you know, it's not curated, but it's like calculated casualty yes, yeah, almost, true, true. <laughs> which is yeah. a whole other conversation. <laughs> yes. But Absolutely. we've we've still made progress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. We're getting there. We're getting there. But no, I agree. that unedited kind of like allowing humans to be human is like very mm-hmm. important, especially in this content age. Yeah, I agree. Well, this was uh, so much fun. I feel like people are going to get so many gems out of this, whether they are, you know, starting in the beginning or they have a, you know, product based business or they're a service provider. This was super fun. And I think it's also really cool to get some insight into the marketing and kind of influencer world as well, because it's a bit of a mystery to a lot of us. (laughs) Yes, yes. No, I I loved it. You know, I could talk for hours about this and I've had (laughs) such a fun time kind of chatting with you about everything. So always happy to, to, you know, talk marketing online uh, speak with you. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm very impressed that you were able to uh, grab the handle that you have. I feel like I'm, you probably, how long have you had that handle? <laughs> oh, since Instagram started. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That's yeah. why. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, tell everyone where they can find you and what platforms you're on. Yes. Yeah, so um, my two biggest platforms are Instagram and TikTok. You can find me on there. Very simple. It's at follow Mario. Um, you can uh, visit my pages there. And then also, as I mentioned, kind of on uh, this podcast, I have two businesses, which is uh, We Spill the Tea, um, which you can check it out at WeSpillTheTea.com, um, and Moonrise Social Club, which is my marketing agency, uh, which has my masterclass and um, additional kind of free courses and and things there as well at MoonriseSocialClub.com. So, Yay! And you also yeah, have a podcast, right? Yes, yes. Motivation Mondays as well. Um, so I, uh, I just wrapped up uh, one, one of my last season, season two, so getting started on, on season three. So maybe I'll 
I'll connect with you so and we can do something fun. there too. Oh my God, I would love that. And then <laughs> soon to be YouTube too, right? Yes, when get around yes. to it. That may be later down the line, but we'll see. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> such a beast. I've been trying to like start a YouTube for so long and I'm just like, I just won't do it another day. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of it work. It really is. It really but is. Well, thank you so much for being here, Mario. Yes, Everyone go and check him me. out. Listen to his podcast. I'm always oh, looking for good podcasts or good business podcasts to recommend. So Amazing. it's good to hear that you have one. So yeah, thank you Aww. for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to everyone on the next episode. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? (laughs) Talk to you next time.